You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, I'm going to be sharing on the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. So this is a new beginning for us, and we're going to be talking about the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. You can apply this to a ministry. We're going to talk about what God's been doing on the earth, and also we are going to... uh, Also, I am going to talk about what the motivation is from for what we're doing and what Anna and I's motivation is. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then we'll get into the message. And it's not a long message, but I think it's a very important one. So let's put our hands on our hearts and pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. And Father, I'm asking that you would breathe on this word And that we would have your revelation of what your church means to you. And why you have chosen us. And why we're doing what we're doing. And what's the whole point of it all. Holy Spirit, come and kiss this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the right way to plant and grow a church. You can see here there's a bonsai tree. And this next screen shows a priceless bonsai tree. It's not for sale and will never be. This tree has been trained into a bonsai for almost 400 years, the result of six generations of hard work and patience by Yamaki, by the Yamaki family. But what makes it really special is that it was in Hiroshima when the atomic bomb fell in 1945. The tree survived and was later donated to the National Banzai and Penjing Museum in Washington. Now, why I show the Banzai tree is I believe what the Lord is doing all across the earth through his church is he's making these Banzai trees. And Banzai trees are very small. And yet the owners and the gardeners for these bonsai trees, the ones, the artists of these trees, they spend so much meticulous time on every small detail. There's a lot of pruning. There's a lot of shaping. And though it's small, its value is here. This value is priceless. Its value is quite expensive. The most expensive bonsai tree sold for over $1 million. Over $1 million a bonsai tree sold for. This one, they're not selling it. But the Lord is making ministries and churches 
that are small, but he's been very meticulous about their detail. Now, here's the thing about churches. Most churches are small churches. Uh, the large churches are the exception. Though we thank God for the large churches, we thank God for every size church. But many times a small church will feel inferior, less, like not valued, uh, not having the same value, not as good as the others. And there's some type of comparison and competition. But here we can see in the whole art of the bonsai tree is there's great value on something that is small because of all the detailed work and a lot of pruning that goes into the bonsai tree and the shaping of it. Do you see that? And, and all across the world, the Lord is making his churches like bonsai trees. He's caring for them meticulously. Every little, uh, every little part, every little piece. So the question before us this morning is why the church? Why church and why the church? This is, so why are we gathering? What's the whole purpose of all this? And it's interesting. Anna did not know what verse of scripture I was sharing, what verses I was going to be sharing on, but Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Uh, you don't have to turn there because it's up on your screen, but I'm turning there because I'd like to uh, share another uh, verse around there. Here, let's read this. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Somebody make sure you're on. Fran, you're on mute again. Uh, all right, I fixed it. I fixed it for you. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet. This is Jesus' feet. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And before that, we read that Paul is praying that the, a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given in the knowledge of God to his people, and especially that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the hope of his calling. So we're going to reflect a bit this morning on his calling as a church, as a people. And then it says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And you've heard me mention this before. The riches of the inheritance is in the saints. So he has put the, these riches in each of us. And it's a, these are priceless riches that he has placed in us. And our eyes need to be open to see the riches that are in each one of us in Christ Jesus. And then after that, we get to our verse uh, later on here that it says, Jesus is the head of everything for the church. So I'm not the head. Anna's not the head. We're stewards. Uh, no one, uh, uh, Peter's not the head. Uh, there, there's no, you know, grand bishop that's the head. Jesus is the head. 
Jesus is the head of his church. This is why we need to be connected with him. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more later. So the church is his body. Think about that. His body. His own body. It's his. It's his own. And then it goes on to say the fullness of him. This is an amazing phrase. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So he fills everything in every way, and he says his church is the fullness of him. And very much the the motif in Ephesians is that the church is the bride. The church is the bride. So that the Lord is incomplete without his church. He is one with his church and his people. And this is why we need to value his church and why the church is so important. This is not my idea. It's not the idea of some pastor in America or somewhere else. It is God's idea of the church. So let's, let's look at this. And you got your seatbelts on? That's good. The church is God's strategy. The church is God's strategy. His bride. The church is God's strategy. His bride. The church is not an it. An it, though grammatically we often say it for the church, but it's not an it. The church is you and me, everyone saved by his grace, called together for a purpose. If you attack the church, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're cutting off your arm. You're injuring yourself. It's self-harm because you are part of this body, his body. It's a great privilege. It's a great honor. And we sh- our minds need to be renewed in this way. Because as we're going to see later, the enemy's always trying to poison the body. He's always trying to poison the body. Because he knows how powerful we are when we realize and have the revelation of who we are in Christ. So the church is you and me. Everyone saved by his grace called together for a purpose. The church is God's idea and plan. It's God's idea and plan. It's not our idea or plan. And plan. It's not my idea and plan, though what motivates me is his idea and his plan. What motivates me is what the apostles say and what all throughout history, what Israel was called to be as God's people. And then we see uh, those who have been grafted in us and we are called to be God's people. It's God's idea and plan. The church is God's idea and plan. To host and carry his presence on earth. The primary purpose of the church is to host and carry his presence on earth. What are we doing here? We're here to host God's presence here in this locality, in the center of Brisbane City. Whether we're in the city, whether we're here, whether we're in our homes, whether... uh, We're at Logan with the J.C. Soldiers. Wherever we are, wherever we are, the church's primary call is to host and carry the Lord's presence on earth, to usher in heaven on earth. 
a lot of times we have come to church expecting something to happen, reali not realizing that we are the ones who are meant to be carrying the treasures in. We are meant to not come empty-handed, but to bring the treasures in, to bring God's presence, to bring his gifts in. This is what's so important about the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit it, uh, bring in, usher in the gift of God's presence. So that's really the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, is to serve the gift of God's presence. And it's the, the number one reason why people really get saved is encountering the presence of God. So the church is God's idea and plan to host and carry his presence on earth, to save lost souls. Let that sink in. The lost sheep out there to save lost souls. To make disciples of Jesus. We are called this great call to save lost souls to make disciples of Jesus. And recently, Dr. Brown preached a message because he, he's written a book called, the, I, forget, I think the title is The Political Seduction of the Church. Okay. The Political Seduction of the Church. And he was saying we need to get back to basics. Okay. Winning the lost, making disciples, prayer, seeking God's face, all these things that we have turned away from. And, and let me say this. We need to be disciples of Jesus when we're driving our cars <laughs> and when we're on the Internet and when we're on Instagram and when we're commenting. We need to be disciples of Jesus in every area of our lives, especially at home. And that's why I've been talking about family and being a good husband and being a good father, and hopefully Anna is going to be sharing on being a good, uh, good wife, a uh, good mother in the future. So to make disciples of Jesus, those are people who become like Jesus. Moving on to spread the Holy Spirit's fire. So I'm going to go back quickly here. The church is God's idea and plan to host and carry his presence on earth, to save lost souls, to make disciples of Jesus, to spread the Holy Spirit's fire. I have come that there would be fire on earth. And oh, how I wish it were already kindled, Jesus said in the book of Luke. So this is our motivation. This is why we're meeting. We're not here to do a social club. I'm not here to get rich. <laughs> that hasn't been happening. <laughs> but, I, but it's to bring out the riches of God's people to enrich spiritually. And I have gotten rich spiritually through everybody in the whole experience of church. Though it's not always easy. It's not always easy. So the church is called to light up the world. It's God's idea, his plan to light up the world, to bring light to the world. And it was great to hear that when Anna went over, there's a lady that works in one of the stores, and she was so glad that we were back. She has seen the kids grow up over the years, and she's just so glad. And you would be amazed if you talk to people in the community here. They may not be here, but they listen. 
They listen to the worship. And we make the world light. You know, we brighten the world. We bring light into the world by just being who God has called us to be. To solve the culture. The church is God's idea and plan to salt the culture. Not to assault the culture. <laughs> With, you know, pride and, and, you know, we got a fist going. And, but to salt the culture, to make a, a difference in the culture. Yes, yes. And then... Lastly here, to prepare the way for the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The church is called to prepare the way for the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How are we going with seeing this on your, on your phones? To prepare the way for the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now. Do you now understand why the devil is trying to keep you from church? Get you offended at God's people and poison your heart toward the church's pastors and leaders? Yes, yes. In, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, thank you for your visual picture. So, yeah, think about, think about the, the, the hope of his call, how it brings hope to the world, how, it's got, how we are God's church, his plan and strategy. And the reason it, the church is so powerful in Jesus as his bride, as his people, again, let me present the question here. Do you... Now understand why the devil is trying to keep you from church. And, and get offended at God's people. This is his technique because he wants to break it up. And, but then God uses it and sees if our heart is truly in it. And if we're not, he prunes us away. <laughs> uh, because he doesn't want the bad apples poisoning the other apples. Or maybe he transplants us to another place. Uh, the enemy's working to try to get us offended, so let's be on alert. And to po especially to poison our hearts towards the church's pastors and leaders. And I'm talking about genuine men of God, because if they're bringing the word of God, the devil doesn't want you to hear the word of God, so he's going to try to poison your hearts toward them so that you don't hear and receive the word of God. And this happened to me uh, early in my Christian walk. I had a great pastor, Pastor Dennis Hodgelick, Pastor Dennis Ed, and Edna, and they're still my pastors now. And um, somebody came around, and this happens often to young believers. I was young and I was zealous, and somebody came around and put his arm around me and said something like, you know, Pastor Dennis is a good pastor, but he doesn't preach from the King James Bible. And then he doesn't believe in all this uh, other stuff. And all these, all these people that uh, came along like that, 
there were little seeds that were trying to be sown. Uh, in the end, I saw when someone listens to men of God and then when someone listens to those type of people. And those type of people go on a path that the end is death. But I saw when people listen to genuine men of God with integrity who are called to be stewards, how they prosper and they flourish. Again, one last time, do you now understand why the devil is trying to keep you from church, get you offended at God's people and poison your heart toward the church's pastors and leaders? And so then we're alert. And I'm not saying anything different than what Paul said when he warned the Ephesians, when he warned Timothy to command the false teachers to stop teaching false doctrine. And these people were very zealous, but zealous not in a good way. Um, and so it was a warning all throughout the New Testament. And so now I'm working on a new infographic. And I only have one point yet. I have the other points, but only one point to reveal in the end here in our conclusion. So you can see me. You're going to see me in the weeks to come unveil this one. This is the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. And my heart is not to just help our church, but to help out churches you know, across Australia, wherever, um, Pastors are hungry. And it comes from these 23 years of, of walking and, and just having a heart for the church. Now, what's my number one point in the right way to plant and grow a healthy church and ministry? Is one, put intimacy above ministry. And this is a bit of a sum up of what we've been talking about in the Song of Songs unit. And we're, in a, we're coming to tomorrow into a review phase of, the, uh, of our mid, you know, midterm time and reviewing. Put intimacy above ministry. No matter how close your phone is to the outlet, it will not charge unless connected. So I can take this phone and I can put it really close. There's an outlet over there. I won't move it too close, but I can put it right up to the outlet, really close to the outlet, but it's not going to charge unless it's connected. Are you with me? And you can be really close to God's people, really close to the church, doing lots of good things, doing lots of ministry, but unless you're connected with the head, you will not be recharged, renewed, revived, filled with the love of God. And the classic mistake with churches, and I don't want us to fall into this mistake, is we get so busy doing stuff, good stuff, ministry stuff, but we lose our intimacy with God. This is why we're keeping it simple right now. And we've got the camp chairs here and simple setup, and it's because we don't want to get so busy doing stuff that we miss the main point. And the main point is intimacy. With Jesus, the main point is hosting his presence, being the people of God, being that salt and light. So no matter how close your phone is to the outlet, it will not charge unless connected. Intimacy with God is connecting with him. That's what intimacy with God is. Intimacy with God is connecting with him. 
It's the power behind authentic ministry. And then from being intimate with God, we can minister. Then from intimacy with God, we are fruitful. It's such a simple way. Such a simple way that God has chosen. We're intimate with him. And from that, we are fruitful and we minister. Are you with me? You're following me here. And that's the first point in the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. Now that brings us to this scripture that we've been reading, dwell with me. It's uh, John 15, 1 through 8. I'll read some of this. And we keep on coming back to this. I am the real grapevine, Jesus said, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up caring for it. On the other hand, he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, making it more fruitful. Already you've been pruned, cleansed through the word I've spoken to you. Dwell with me intimately and I will intimately dwell with you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit alone, it must be intimately connected to the vine so you cannot Bear fruit unless you are intimate with me. Did you hear that? I am the grapevine. You are the branches. Those who dwell with me intimately are those I intimately dwell with. The ones closely connected to me bear much fruit. Realize that without me, you have no power to produce anything. Not anything of eternal value. Not anything that will last. Not anything that reflects Jesus. It all begins with intimacy. Are you with me? And that's a thing any day. You could practice that every day, throughout the day, as you lay in bed at night, as you are walking about the day, as you go on your lunch break. Oh, Lord, I just want to be close to you. And we've been talking about intimacy throughout this semester. Well, here, that's the rest of it, but we'll move on. This is the last slide here. This was from my journal, and I shared this at the first night of Bible school this semester. Uh, 27 May 2022, this was a prophetic word that the Lord gave me. And I'll read it to you. I am birthing something new. It's a movement of intimacy with God. The main thing will be the main thing. My people will not be chasing rabbits down rabbit holes, getting lost in the darkness. Instead, they will focus on me and according to Psalm 27, will gaze at my beauty. Their eyes, ears, and mouth will be pure, devoted to me. They will see how holiness, intimacy, and obedience entwine. And because they are intimate with me, they will have boundless energy to leap over hills and mountains like gazelles or young stags. Their love for me and from me will give them supernatural strength. So that's what the Lord put into my heart earlier this year. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray We're going to pray now, and then Anna will lead us in a song. That is, yeah, that is the last.
That's the last slide there. So, Lord, I want to thank you for the great hope of your calling and that you have called us to be a body and you've called us to be one with you. And when we're one with you, we're one with each other. And it's a great weapon against the evil one. Father, I pray that we as your people would take that responsibility to be connected to you. We would respond to that call to be intimate and abide with you. That we would not fall in or be seduced by Satan's plan to be busy but not fruitful. To get offended by brother and sister. We would have eyes to see who the imposters are, but we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I pray a blessing over this church, over the churches that are listening, over the ministries, that intimacy will always be paramount, that it would always be first. That when we feel we got to do something, we got to produce something, we would just go back to, we need to be intimate with you. And then the fruit will automatically, organically be come to pass, sprout out, be born. Father, I'm asking that we would just draw close to you and we give you the praise and the glory. Give that, give, renew our minds, renew our minds so that we think rightly about your church. Because the enemy has really done a big job of poisoning people's hearts and minds in Australia and in America and all across the world. But we're asking for a renewing of our minds, your spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may grow in the knowledge of you, go deeper in that knowledge. So thank you for calling us, choosing us. It's painful at times, but we'd rather bear our cross with you than waste our lives in this world. Thank you. It's better, Lord, to experience the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. And so we give you the praise and glory.